Chapter 11. The Attack. Ye are strong, and ye have overcome the wicked one. 1 John 2.14. Young men who are strong must expect to be attacked. This also follows from a rule of divine management. Whenever God stores up supplies, it is because there will be need of them. When Egypt's granaries were full with a supply of seven years of plenty, one might have been sure that seven years of famine were about to come. Whenever a man is strong, it is because he has rigorous work to do. Just as the Israelites of old never had an ounce of manna left over until the morning, except that which bred worms and stank, Exodus 16.20, so there never will be a Christian who has a penny's worth of grace left over from his daily requirements. If you are weak, you will have no trial happen to you except that which is common to man, 1 Corinthians 10.13. But if you are strong, rest assured that many difficult trials await you. Every muscle in the arm of faith will have to be tested. Every single weapon given out from the armory of God will be called for in the conflict. Christian soldiering is not just military diversion or a proud parade. It means hard fighting from the day of enlistment to the day of reward. The strong young man may rest assured that he has no force to spend in display, no energy that he may use in boasting and pride. There is a heavy burden for the strong shoulder and a fierce fight for the trained hand. Why does Satan attack this class most? I suppose that the first reason is because Satan is not always sure that the infants in grace are in grace, and therefore he doesn't always attack beginners. However, when they are sufficiently developed to make him see who and what they are, then he awakens his wrath. To the utmost of his power he will weary and worry those who have thoroughly escaped from him. A friend wrote to me to inquire whether Satan knows our thoughts. I don't believe he does, not as God does, but he may pretty cleverly guess at them from our actions and our words, and perhaps even from expressions on our faces. Yet I firmly believe only the Lord knows the thoughts of men immediately and by themselves. Satan is an old hand at studying human nature. He has been watching and tempting men and women for about six thousand years, and therefore he is full of subtlety. However, he is not omniscient, and therefore it may be that he thinks a certain person is so little in grace that he might not be in grace at all. So he lets him alone. But as soon as it is certain that the man is of the royal seed, then the devil is at him. I don't know whether our Lord was ever tempted at Nazareth while he was still in his obscurity. But the moment he was baptized and the Spirit of God came upon him, he was taken into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. If you become an avowed servant of God, don't think the conflict is over, for it is then that the battle begins. You will have to go into such a wilderness and such a conflict as you never knew before. Satan knows that young men in grace can do his kingdom great harm, and therefore he would gladly slay them early in the day. Just as Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male children in Israel. Exodus 1 16. You are strong to overthrow his kingdom, and therefore you don't need to be amazed that he desires to overthrow you. It is right that young men should endure hardness and difficulty, or else they might become proud. It's hard to hide pride from people. Full of strength, 
courage, patience, and zeal, such men are ready enough to believe the wicked one when he whispers that they are perfect, and therefore trials are sent to keep them out of that grievous snare of the evil one. The devil tempts the saint, and thus the saint sees his inward depravity and is no longer able to boast. The devil thinks he's going to destroy the man of God, but God is making the temptation work for the believer's eternal good. It is far better to have Beelzebub, the god of flies, pestering you than to become contaminated and corrupted with ideas of your own excellence. Besides, not only might this young man be a prey to pride, but he certainly would not bring the glory to God if he is untested that he brings to him when he overcomes temptation. Read the story of Job up to the time when he is tempted. You might say, we have no story to read. Just so, there was nothing worthy of record in Job's life, only that his flocks and herds continued to multiply, that another child was born, and so forth. There is no memorable history to a nation when everything goes well, and it's the same with a believer. But when trial comes, and the man plays the man, 1 Corinthians 16.13, and is valiant for God against the archenemy, I hear a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write. Revelation 14.13. Now you will have history, history that will glorify God. It's only right that those who are young men in Christ should endure conflicts, so that they may bring honor to their Father, their Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit who dwells in them. Besides, it prepares them for future usefulness, and here I will attempt to include the testimony of my own experience. When I first came to Christ, I often wondered why I had such a hard time of it when I was coming to the Lord, and why I was so long and so wearied in finding the Savior. After that, I wondered why I experienced so many spiritual conflicts while others were in peace. I did not know that I was destined to preach. I did not understand in those days that I would have to minister to hundreds and even thousands of distressed spirits who were storm-tossed and ready to perish. But now, when the afflicted mention their experience, I can usually reply, I have been there. I can help them as one who has felt the same way. It's good, therefore, that the young men should bear the yoke in their youth, Lamentations 3.27, and that while they are strong they should gain experience, not so much for themselves as for others, that in later days, when they come to be fathers, they may be able to help the little ones of the family. Take your tribulation kindly. Yes, take it gratefully. Thank your king that he puts you in a place where the thick of the battle centers around you. You will never be a warrior if you never enter the dust clouds where garments are rolled in blood. You will never become a veteran if you don't fight through the long campaign. The man who has been at the head of the desperate hope is he who can tell what tough fighting means. May it be so with you. May your captain save you from the corruption of inglorious ease. You must fight in order to acquire the character that inspires others with confidence in you and thus equips you to lead your comrades to the fight. Oh, that we may have an abundance of the young men of the heavenly family who will defend the church against worldliness and error, defend the weaker ones from the wolves that prowl around, and guard the feeble against the many deceivers that attack the church of God. As you love the Lord, I direct you to grow in grace and be strong, for we have need of you right now.
take hold of your sword and shield. Watch and stand fast. 1 Corinthians 16.13. May the Lord teach your hands to war and your fingers to fight. Psalm 144.1. In these evil days, may you be as an army to protect our Israel. The Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites are upon us just now. War is in all our borders. Therefore, let each valiant man stand about the king's chariot, each man with his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. Song of Solomon 3 8. Scripture I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. 1 John 2 14. They have overcome the wicked one. Then they must be strong. For a man who can overcome the wicked one is no average man of war. Write him down among the first three. 2 Samuel 23, 1 Chronicles 11. Wicked ones abound, but there is one devious being who deserves the name of the wicked one. He is the arch leader of rebellion, the first of sinners, the chief of sinners, the tempter of sinners. He is the wicked one who leads assaults against the pilgrims to Zion. If any man has ever stood toe to toe with him, he will never forget it. It is a fight that once fought will leave its scars even though the victory is won. In what sense have these young men overcome the wicked one? They have broken right away from his power. They were once his slaves, but now they are not. They once slept beneath his roof in perfect peace, but conscience raised an uproar, the Spirit of God troubled them, and they completely escaped his power. There was a time when Satan did not trouble them at all. Why should he? They were good friends together. Now he tempts them and worries them and assaults them, because they have left his service, have committed themselves to a new master, and have become the enemies of him who was once their God. I speak to many people who gladly acknowledge that from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet not a bit of them now belongs to the devil, for Christ has bought them body, soul, and spirit, with his precious blood, and they have approved of the purchase. They feel that they are not their own, and are certainly not the devil's, for they are bought with a price, and they belong to him who purchased them. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. The strong man, armed, has been turned out by a stronger than he. Luke 11, 21-22. Jesus has carried the fortress of the heart by storm and has driven out the foe. Satan is not inside our heart now. He entered into Judas, but he cannot enter into us, for our soul is filled by another who is well able to hold his own. The wicked one has been expelled by the Holy One, who now lives and reigns within our nature as Lord of all. Moreover, these young men have overcome the wicked one not only in breaking away from his power, and in driving him entirely out of control so that he is no longer master, but they have overcome him by the very fact of their opposition to him. When a man resists Satan, he is victorious over Satan in that very resistance. Satan's empire consists in yielding our will to his will, but when our will revolts against him, then we have already overcome him in part. It's true that sometimes we are much better at willing than we are at doing as the Apostle Paul was, for he said, To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. 
Romans 7.18 However, if the will is clean from sin, it is a victory over sin. And as that will grows stronger and more determined to resist the temptations of the evil one, in that degree we have overcome sin and Satan. What a blessed thing this is! Do not fail to remember that Satan has no weapons of defense, so when we resist him, he must flee. A Christian has both defensive and offensive weapons. He has a shield as well as a sword, but Satan has fiery darts and nothing else. I never read of his having any shield whatsoever, so when we resist him, he is bound to run away. He has no defense for himself, and the fact of our resistance is in itself a victory. But besides that, brothers and sisters, some of us who are young men in Christ have won many victories over Satan. Have we not been tempted and fearfully tempted? Yes, but the mighty grace of God has come to the rescue, and we have not given in. Cannot you look back, not with Pharisaic boasting, but with gracious exaltation, over many evil habits that once had the mastery over you, but which is master of you no longer? It was a hard conflict. You bit your lip sometimes and feared that you would give in. There were times when your steps had almost gone and your feet had nearly slipped. Psalm 73, 2. But here you are, still conqueror. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Hear what the Spirit says to you when John writes to you, because you have overcome the wicked one, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 1 John 2.15 In Christ Jesus we have entirely overcome the wicked one already. The enemy we have to contend with is a vanquished foe. Our Lord and Master met him and destroyed him. He is now destitute of his boasted battle-axe, that dreadful weapon that has made the bravest men to tremble when they have seen it in his hand. You ask, what weapon is that? That weapon is death. Our Lord overthrew him who had the power of death, the devil, and therefore Satan does not have the power of death any longer. The keys of death and of hell are in the possession of Christ. Revelation 1, 18. Ah, wicked one, we who believe in Jesus will defeat you, for our Lord defeated you. That bruise upon your head cannot be hidden. Genesis 3.15. Your crown is dashed in pieces. The Lord has severely wounded you, O dragon, and your deadly wound can never be healed. We face you with fearless courage, for we believe the promise of our Lord that he will bruise Satan under our feet shortly. Romans 16.20. As certainly as you were bruised under the feet of our crucified Lord, so will you be bruised under the feet of all his seed to your complete overthrow and contempt. Let us take courage and abide steadfast in the faith, for we have overcome the wicked one in our Lord Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 8, 37.